This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Anishinaabeg and the Haudenosaunee people. We acknowledge the enduring presence of First Nation, Métis, and Inuit people on this land. We're grateful for the opportunity to gather in this territory, even virtually, and to be in this community. We commit ourselves to the work of reconciliation among settlers and Indigenous peoples, and we acknowledge that not all settlers were brought here by choice. Through this land acknowledgement, our intent is to honor and show gratitude to the original and ongoing stewards of the land as a sign of respect and willingness to learn and heal. We are mindful of broken covenants and the need to reconcile with all our relations. Together, may we care for this land and each other, drawing on the strength of our mutual history of nation building through peace and friendship, being mindful of the ancestors and generations to come. Welcome to The Intersection, where we are building community through candid conversations that lift, inspire, and advance social change. In this episode, we welcome Nicole McVann as a co-host for Season 2 of The Intersection podcast. Nicole is a strategic nonprofit leader with 20 years of experience in Canada and abroad. Their experience spans many areas, including corporate philanthropy, individual and community-based giving, volunteer development, national event management, and alumni giving. They are currently Vice President Philanthropy and Marketing at United Way Greater Toronto. As a white, able-bodied, transgender, and non-binary person, Nicole uses an anti-oppressive lens in building philanthropy and marketing plans to work with and for communities. Nicole regularly speaks and writes on the topic of equity, privilege, power dynamics for fundraising publications, and at conferences and learning events. They're sharing co-hosting responsibilities with us this season, so this is your opportunity to get to know them a little bit better. In this conversation, we get into a juicy topic of what would happen if we ditched the traditional model of governing an organization. Many organizations are being more intentional about creating more diversity in the boardroom. So we get into the realities of code switching, developing policies that support the emotional labor of trying to fit in, and the real work of setting the stage for everyone to feel like they belong and that their input is valued. Nicole, welcome to The Hub. We are so grateful for your energy, your light, and your compassion. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is this, how... um, the way we govern our organizations needs to change. And I don't know that a lot of people are looking at how we manage and run uh, governance within our organizations and layer this lens that of um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and uh, leveling power. And I'm curious if either of you have any thoughts on that. Jump in, Nicole, because I know you've been thinking about it. Uh, yeah, I think about governance a lot, and I think our community of practice, it's, it's centered in philanthropy because that's where most of our experience is, and so we try to kind of keep it tight in there, but essentially anything we're doing in our community of practice 
it, it you typically ripples out to the rest of the nonprofit and to the governance model. And I think when we look at our governance model, we have a very traditional um, approach. And I think a very corporate approach of the idea of that these volunteers, I mean, they're not paying to nonprofits that I know of, come in and they have this level of expertise and the charity reports into them. Mm-hmm. And I think about how similar that is to the way in which we think about our donor relationship and the donor is always right. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the best organizations right now are flipping this around and thinking about, you know, not just who's on your board and do they make up the reflection of the community you're serving, but what is the power dynamics and how do you look at reshaping the structure of this so there's not such a power imbalance? Um, I think that's really critical for us to think about. And I think you can take it to a real far extreme, maybe for now, of, um, you know, doing away with the traditional board and coming up with a model that is completely different. And it's, it's all scalable. You can bring it back to like how you actually work with your board. So there's a bunch of different models and ways to work at this. I think you have to come from the place of the traditional model may not be serving us uh, right now. And so how do, we, how do we transform that for ourselves and for our communities? That's the big question. I don't think the traditional model is serving us. And in fact, I think it's continuing to perpetuate harm. And yet uh, it's, it's very normal for an all white board to say, oh, we need more diversification. So let's go out and find some BIPOC folks who are interested in our cause. And then let's take those folks with a variety of diverse backgrounds and experiences and get them to try to fit within our existing structure. Yeah. And, and it's happening. Every find people day. from those places that are that they fit our mold they just don't look like us right right so if you rebalance to find it to to reflect the community you're serving but all the people who are on the board are still not really from that community they just look like the community which i see is happening a good deal that's not going to solve your problem the other thing it's also about how you work with your your board so do you maybe find people that look like the people you're trying to serve? And then do you do continue to host a meeting from, you know, early in the evening or late at night and not offer childcare? Do you continue to um, have a bunch of pre-reads that can be really overwhelming? Do you continue to kind of hold up that white normative model so those folks have to fit into that? Mm-hmm. How accessible do you make it? It's also about how you do it because, you might find um, you might find some diverse folks that want to come in, um, but are you creating the space in which they can actually operate um, that is true to them? Or are you making them fit the mold of what you currently have? I recently learned about this uh, concept of coding, and I didn't know about it before. I didn't. I've only recently experienced and become aware of the fact that when I walk into a room full of people of color, they talk differently, they behave differently. Oh shit, Kimberly. You know, like I ruin, I ruin the vibe the second I walk in because all of a sudden there's this thing that happens. 
And I know when I walk out, they'll be their true selves and their authentic selves and feel safe again. I don't, it's just, it's just what happened and happens. And I think that that's what happens in board meetings. I think that's what happens when we, we invite folks in, but are they really safe and free to bring them their whole selves to the table? Mm. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Coaching is the definition of my entire human existence. I know. There's I've, so much work to do. It, oh my well, that's a great, that's exactly the point. There's so much work to do and there is the exhaustion of that switching. And yeah. so that's what Nicole is talking about is creating spaces in which people, again, not don't have to totally switch because they do. And that's a reality. Mm-hmm. But in, in creating the on-ramps for participation in, in that space and then build towards it. But even the awareness of it is a whole new thing. Again, it's fascinating to me that there's a world in which, uh, you know, <laughs> you didn't know. Uh, and again, how would people know? Because it's not talked about. That is a, it's an interesting point. Yeah. I think, Go ahead. I think to that point, though, like Kimberly is a white woman. You probably have very different conversations and ways in which you hold yourself when you're spending time with uh, white friends that are female. The way, you know, that whole phrase around like me and my girlfriends are going for some wine and how that, how you show up there is very different than the, than how you show up elsewhere. Yeah. And, you know, in essence, code switching it is, is very tiring. And it, it is that moment of you're like, oh, good. I'm in a safe space with these folks. They know me, they get me, they see me, they're like me. And it requires less energy than when you go somewhere else. And I think to, to Paul's point, one of the things that code switching is something that happens and it's something people will do. Mm-hmm. And so we can try to create spaces in which we can break that down a bit for folks. The other thing we can do that's really tangible is recognizing the labor that that takes mm-hmm. and valuing it and making space for it. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot about those folks that come to an organization that has to have to do this. And how do you make sure that you have policy support procedures in place for them to be able to take care of themselves around mental health and wellness, around time off, um, around policies that support them in this. And that's something that is is pretty easy for us to do if we recognize this is uh, right now a part of the way in which we work. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the thing that came to mind for me. Um, Have you had, can you, do you have any personal experience with this, Nicole? Do you have any experiences that you feel comfortable sharing? Because like today, (laughs) (laughs) because again, for for a lot, this is our entire life. It's every day and every minute of, and again, we all do too, because the boards for how forever have been the old dudes in suits. Mm-hmm. So we all did it. And you do, you have had to do it too, Kimberly, when you walk into the room with the old guys in suits and yeah, we all I, have I to, told, right. I was told what, years ago when I first started working with boards that if I wanted to get my resolutions passed, uh, it would benefit me to wear a skirt to meetings. Boop, And there it Boop. is. Right. Yeah. Put lipstick on. Before but as meeting. Nicole has said, you can define all this before we get in the room. What is the definition? What is the rubric? Uh, and I've seen, uh, especially a lot of uh, executive directors, re just defining the room. And again, I do think that board members and other people are ready for this. 
they wanted a whole bunch of them show up and someone hands them a gigantic binder as opposed to saying what is our culture yeah. what is the culture of operational governance all of it and people who are defining that now are redefining it in a more equitable way even in unequitable spaces and it's it's actually really exciting to see mm -hmm. Nicole? Yeah. yeah like change only happens when you have a committed group of folks that work together on that I've just butchered a Margaret Mead quote, but it's this idea that like, we can think about this as this vast issue that what do we do here? Um, or you think about it like, what are, a what are a couple of things I can do? What are a couple of changes? And I often think about when it comes to, to boards, to code switching, to power, a lot of this comes in the place of asking a couple critical questions. Uh, where does the power sit in this situation? Um, what, what can I do about the power imbalance to rebalance it? And uh, how can I make sure that I'm taking care of those who are most oppressed? Those three questions you can ask of yourself at any point. And I think with boards, asking those questions and thinking about that as an organization is a critical first step to diversifying your board. We often jump to, we need to diversify our board or our staff or whomever. Mm -hmm. Before you do that, you have to set the stage where people will feel welcome and valued when they come into your space. Yeah. Ooh, that's a way better rubric than having a bunch of check boxes, yeah. right? Asking the questions, calling it out, I think is the first step. And then you, then all of a sudden you change the chemical balance of the room, mm -hmm. right? By just even calling it out. That's awesome. Yeah, and oftentimes when Tanya and I start our webinars uh, or any learning sessions, we often start with an introduction of ourselves that is very personal, uh, like our lived experience. And myself as a white, transgender, non-binary person, I talk about the privileges I have um, and the impressions I have. And like you say, um, when we start that, you can immediately see a shift. Mm -hmm. in the positionality of people you can see e either a lean in because they're like oh this isn't standard gobbledygook mm -hmm. or uh, a relaxation mm -hmm. it changes the dynamic and people immediately feel a sense of safety or interest and that's really critical and I, I question how we can do this with our boards where it feels like such a formal hierarchical process how do you break it down to the humanity of the folks that you're working with? I have a suggestion on that, actually, because we have a similar experience with the Women in the Hub events that we have at the intersection. And for the Women in the Hub events, um, it's the, the icebreaker isn't uh, introduce yourself. The icebreaker is how are you identifying today? And some and, and every day it'll be it'll be a little bit different. Right. But if we ask ourselves how we identify, um, then, then it opens it up to bring your whole self to the table in that moment, and it leads the way for other people to do the same. So I noticed that in your community practice, and I certainly notice it at Women in the Hub, where women just don't talk. They, they, tend, they identify as a wife, as a mother, as a lover, as a change maker, as, you know, just to think about all of those aspects of our humanity creates a tone for a different kind of conversation, I think. Yeah. 
And your magic question, Nicole, that you ask in your communities, which I've participated in, is what's your proudest title? Because boy, oh boy, our titles in the world of fundraising are the dumbest, most useless coordinator of this. And, you know, you're just like, again, I always, it's a joke, but it's for real, that I had a donor refer to me for years as senior development officer. (laughs) It was the greatest thing. And I never corrected her because it made my coworkers really uncomfortable. Uh, but it was just a perfect metaphor for how ridiculous this whole thing is and asking people of proudest title. Again, even in networking these days, I'm encouraging people to stop asking the question. So what do you do? You know, and again, what they're really saying is what's your title? What's your hierarchy as opposed to what brings you joy? What brings you energy? What dent are you making in the universe? Redefining that from the start of the conversation redefines the whole conversation. Yeah. And to that, when we think about our boards, we often don't create space for these conversations. Exactly. And, you, and then you think, oh, it's too late. I've missed my chance. Or maybe you have this conversation in a one-to-one, like an orientation with somebody new. Mm-hmm. But in your board meeting, and you have, you have your consent agenda and your motions and everything. Mm-hmm. But what if the starting place um, of every board meeting was a, a conversation uh, I had uh, a wonderful uh, board member and committee chair who started um, started the year of meetings with asking folks to uh, not only introduce themselves, but to bring something of importance to you and tell a little story about it and just take a couple of minutes and just bring something. And that meeting was one of the most powerful things I've seen in governance because it immediately created connections and bonds with folks. It gives somebody a chance to tell you something other than just my title um, and uh, who, who I operate in the, in the business world. Uh, and it was just so beautiful. And it, it, it translated into many, many meetings where people had more safety to challenge each other, to question things. Um, and to bring ideas forward. And uh, to me, you know, we talk about these big, big changes we want to make. That's a little one. That's a little one that can lead to something big. I love that. So instead of introductions, ask how do you identify and the idea of bring something to the board meeting and tell a story about it can change the tone and create a more inclusive environment. Two small little things. Mm -hmm. Longing has great power. (laughs) thanks for sticking around and having this conversation Uh, I'm so happy to be here I'm sorry Tanya missed that she would have had tons to add but (laughs) it does feel like uh, we will try to make another round on your podcast because we love it um, and we love these conversations so thank you if you are going to share one podcast with your board of directors this is it we've even made it short and digestible for them. So please do it. We look forward to more conversations with Nicole in season two. Please remember to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Let's keep building community together. Thank you for spending time here.